Surprise billing's been a hot topic in American healthcare in 2019, and for good reason. When you go to the hospital or urgent care and physicians or other healthcare providers treat you, you have reason to expect that your insurance will cover it, especially if you're at a facility that you believe to be in your insurance company's network. But many Ohioans learn that this isn't the case only after the fact, usually when they receive a large bill that they can't afford and had no idea was coming. Hence the surprise part of surprise billing. Surprise billing is a big issue for Ohioans because it violates many of our most basic assumptions about fairness and predictability in healthcare. It also reminds us that a large portion of American healthcare is a business that often fails to make patients their main concern. This is Prognosis Ohio, WCB's healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Ohio University health policy professor, Dan Skinner. My guest today is Miranda Motter, president and CEO of the Ohio Association of Health Plans. Today, we're going to hear just one side of the story in surprise billing, that of a trade group that represents Ohio health insurance companies. As we'd expect, the different players within our state's healthcare system have different takes on this question. Hospitals and many healthcare professionals tend to blame insurers. Patients, as we'd expect, are angry at hospitals too, but they aren't too fond of insurers either. Advocates for more serious system change, such as those pushing for a single-payer healthcare system, Medicare for All, or something similar, generally criticize both hospitals and insurers and think that there shouldn't be a billing at all in healthcare, which they regard as a human right. In my interview with Miranda, which took place in mid-December, you'll hear that I offered a little hope that surprise billing might actually be a bipartisan silver lining in the middle of impeachment. Since then, though, I was proven wrong. It's now clear that the issue won't be addressed this year. I'll post some links in the show notes so you can read up on recent developments. You'll hear also that while my guest and I disagree on many fundamentals of the system, it is, after all, her job to represent insurance companies. It's also my sense that until real change comes to American healthcare, organizations like the Ohio Association of Health Plans are going to have to support policies that address patients' growing anger, whether that anger is rooted in deceptive and unfair billing practices by hospitals, air ambulance companies, and other health entities, or the networks and coverage limitations and transparency or lack thereof of private health insurance companies. Ultimately, if something isn't done to address patients' anger, these private companies are going to find themselves justifying their very existence. So, as you'll hear in the interview, I think this may be one reason why these kinds of companies and these kinds of trade organizations may actually act. Miranda Motter has been president and CEO of the Ohio Association of Health Plans since 2011. The Ohio Association of Health Plans is a trade association that represents the healthcare industry here in Ohio. In addition to the general management and day-to-day administration of the association, Miranda represents Ohio's commercial, Medicaid-managed care, and Medicare Advantage member plans on a variety of legislative and regulatory issues before state policymakers and regulators. Prior to joining the association, Motter practiced law for over 10 years at Bricker and Eckler LLP, where she represented insurance companies and trade association clients on various legal, regulatory, and legislative matters, including before the Ohio General Assembly and the executive branch of state government. Before jumping into my conversation, I want to add that things do get a little technical in this conversation. In fact, the complicated nature of insurance is probably one reason why Americans are so frustrated with it. It's also one reason why they have their eye on simpler approaches. We've tried to keep the jargon to a minimum in the conversation, but I'll also be posting some links at wcbe.org under the podcast experience tab in case you'd like to read up on some of these issues and dig a bit deeper. 
Okay, now to my conversation with Miranda Motter of the Ohio Association of Health Plans. Thanks, Miranda, for joining me on the podcast. Excellent. Thanks for having me. We're talking here about one of the few issues in this political climate that actually seems to be getting some bipartisan attention. We're operating in a sort of cloud of impeachment and all these things that make legislation really difficult. I'm guessing that most of our listeners have some acquaintance with this idea of surprise billing and some of the issues related to it. Can you just start by telling us in the simplest way possible, what what is it? So a surprise bill is something that a patient typically gets when they have gone either to the emergency room for care that they didn't have any control over, or most times it happens when a patient has actually gone in for some sort of scheduled service. Lots of times that patient did their homework, they made sure they went to an in-network hospital, and unbeknownst to them, after that surgery, after that scheduled service, they receive a surprise bill. Um, lots of times it's from what I call a ancillary service provider, somebody that they didn't really know was going to be part of their care team when they were inside that hospital. So it's exactly what the term is. It's a surprise. It's a bill that they didn't anticipate. So they went to a specific place thinking that there were specific, let's say, physicians there doing the work and then found out afterwards that there were other people involved that actually weren't in network. That's exactly right. That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. So the Ohio Association of Health Plans, tell us a little bit about what the association does and how it's involved in this particular issue. So the Ohio Association of Health Plans is the state trade association that represents the health insurance industry here in Ohio. Uh, There are 15 member health plans uh, really providing coverage to about 9 million Ohioans through traditional health insurance, through employer-sponsored health insurance, through the Medicaid program, through Medicare Advantage. Um, So really a wide variety of health plans with a wide variety of experience. I will tell you uh, over the past few years uh, as an industry, we have been laser focused on the affordability of health care. Our mission is to ensure that all Ohioans have access to both quality and affordable health care. But as we have seen the underlying costs of health care increase year over year, Obviously, with that comes increases to health insurance prices. And so we are really focused on affordability and how can we make sure that Ohioans um, have access to health care. Um, and surprise bills is one of those uh, more recent phenomena for a couple of reasons that has gotten a lot of attention both here in Ohio, but as you said, uh, nationally and in Congress, um, because most people have had some sort of experience with receiving a surprise bill. So they understand what this means. Yeah, right now in the media, there are a number of journalists that are on this beat. I know the Kaiser Family Foundation has been active with it. Sarah Cliff at the New York Times mm-hmm. has her whole surprise billing emergency room um, billing sort of project going where she's just doing this amazing thing of just asking people to send in their records so they can start to understand it because it seems like we didn't even know what the landscape looked like and now we're starting to get a sense of that but we have to kind of crowdsource it to get there and we're hunting for this information so what are some of the uh you know ways in which your organization you think that this issue needs to be addressed and it is an issue that all people have encountered to some degree or at least know somebody. That's exactly right. So our organization is really focused on what I call three pillars in terms of a a legislative solution. You also mentioned it earlier. This is one of those issues that has bipartisan support 
And it's not just bipartisan support, but Americans are asking legislators to solve this problem for them. So eight out of 10 Americans want a law to fix this issue for them. So what we are focused on are three specific pillars. One is to take that patient out of the middle. This has happened because they weren't told that they were going to be touched or have added network care in large part when you're talking about going to an in-network hospital. So that patient should be taken out of the middle. In taking the patient out then, are, so are you looking at it from the perspective that you would like to see it be a matter between, let's say, insurance companies and hospitals or insurance companies and provider groups? So essentially, yes, right? So that patient should not be accountable for anything more than they would have had to pay had that care been in network, right? Mm -hmm. So then the issue becomes, what is that at a network cost? Or what should that at a network cost? Again, we're talking about a narrow type of at a network care. We're not talking about the type where the individual said, you know what, I wanna go to this hospital, the hospital's in my network, but the surgeon's not. But yeah. I know this surgeon is really good. I want to go to them. I understand what the financial consequences are. They sign something in they that case. They sign something yeah. in that case. Mm -hmm. This is a scenario where that person didn't have any opportunity to choose, let's say, for example, that anesthesiologist that may have put them under before that surgery. So the second pillar of what we are focused on is what should that out-of-network care cost? We believe that added network care should cost what is a uh, reasonably market tested rate. And what I, is that? So yeah, that how do is we get there? What, that's the in network rate. What that provider, that type of provider, would have been paid in that region. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is, is local. So what that provider would have been paid for that service, for that type of patient. So what every other provider has agreed to in terms of what that cost should be. The last piece of that is if the lawmakers or the policymakers want to provide some sort of appeal process, that appeal process, whether it's arbitration or dispute resolution, should be as streamlined and narrow as possible. And here's the reason. One, that is a process that could add additional costs, healthcare costs to the system. Right. So we want those costs to go to medical care, not administrative costs. And the other thing is that you want that process to be as narrow as possible um, so that it is the exception, not the rule. So you represent, you know, nonprofit and for-profit health insurers, right? And I'm just, it struck me, I was looking at your, your testimony from November 13th here at the State House in Ohio. And, you know, you say that cost is one of the most important things to your organizations. I'm sure there are some people who listen, especially, you know, the history of talking about insurance companies out there. Some people will hear that and say, oh, sure, cost is the most important thing or keeping costs low is the most important thing to insurers. Like, can you tell me a little bit about why that is and why something like surprise billing, like, why do you even care about it as an insurance, as somebody who represents insurance companies? Absolutely. Great question. Cost is incredibly important to us. What I say all the time is insurance is a reflection of what it costs to purchase care. It is not unlike, um, you know, someone who purchases or gets a mortgage to finance a house. Insurance helps Ohioans, helps Americans finance what their future health care is going to be. Mm -hmm. So if health insurance costs are going up, if um, those are increasing, it's because the underlying cost of health care is, is increasing. Health insurance is a very highly regulated product, both in terms of price 
and in terms of what the coverage looks like. Yeah. It's highly regulated at the state level. So for example, we can't sell coverage for a certain price unless that has been approved by, by the, the Depart Department of Insurance. Right? Correct. Yeah. And that that price is, you know, a, a term actuarially justified. And yeah. what that basically means is, is that price is going to reflect what it will cost to purchase that needed health care. So at the end of the day, our product is not unlike many other products. It is a highly competitive market. We are blessed to have a highly competitive market here in the state of Ohio. We have lots of health plans. Um, that is one of the reasons why our health insurance costs are lower than they are in other states. Uh -huh. um, but as employers are looking to purchase health care, if that health insurance costs are going up and up and up, and you know what we hear from many employers is that is their number one or number two health expense item on their balance sheet. Yeah. If they can't afford health insurance, they don't need health insurers anymore, right? right? So we are, um, like I said, very focused on costs. We're getting to a point though where most Ohioans can't afford healthcare with insurance. Right. And so we've got to do something about that. Every premium dollar, 23 cents of that premium dollar goes to pharmacy costs. Mm -hmm. About 22 per, uh, cents of that premium dollar goes to hospital costs. About 21 cents goes to doctor costs, right? So as you look at what that looks like, these are the places where we have to have an impact for the Ohioan. For those of you doing the math at home, and I was trying to do it as you went, I mean, that's pretty close to a dollar. That is pretty close to a dollar. So right now in the state, we have two different versions of an approach to this going through the legislative process. And without getting too far into the weeds, House Bill 388 seems to be more focused on establishing a rate, just kind of an agreed upon market rate at which to set pricing so that you can have that predictability piece that you were talking about before. The Senate Bill 198 talks about this approach that I understand New York and some other states have gone down this road which is to uh, essentially go into arbitration, right, and to, to force people down that way. Both claim to be dealing with this issue of surprise billing. Um, you seem to have a preference. I'm g gathering from looking at your website. Can you just tell me a little bit about, I mean, I'm curious, first of all, why a market rate approach is so much more important to you than the arbitration approach? But, but also, why are these bills so different? Okay. What's going on in our Senate and our House that have led them down these paths? I wonder if you have any insight into that. So to your first question, we absolutely um, have um, a perspective on both of these bills. Uh, the House Bill 388 is a bill that we support as an industry, and here's why. We believe that that legislation provides end-to-end -end protection for the patient, meaning the patient's protected on the front end mm -hmm. from a no-surprise bill, yeah. but they're also protected on the back end so that they don't down the road get a surprise premium bill. And here's why that um, is won't happen under the, the House bill is, as you said, it uses a market tested, a market based rate to pay for that out of network care. So the consumer would be able to go and just see the rate right there. They would be able to look it up essentially. Um, yes. They, I mean, they should be able to understand what that rate would be through their insurer. Um, so market-tested rate. As opposed, in contrast to that, the Senate bill um, provides what I call the, the front-end protection, so the patient is protected from the surprise bill. Mm -hmm. However, 
once that issue then moves to the insurer and the healthcare, uh, the out-of-network doctor, that doctor can bill that health insurer whatever they want. The term is billed charges. So the health, uh, the doctor, the out-of-network doctor will send the bill to the health insurer, and that bill is essentially a unilaterally set number that has no bearing the market has no bearing it's yeah. essentially whatever they can charge whatever they believe that they can charge the health plan and the concern with that is you are essentially enshrining the surprise bill in statute for that cost as i talked about earlier how our prices are highly regulated whatever the inputs are mm-hmm. the outputs have to be reflected so if we have to pay whatever the provider charges for that added network care that cost is going to be borne by either the employer who's paying yeah. the premiums for that employee or for many Ohioans who are purchasing health care on the health insurance exchange is they pay for those premiums direct. Right, or they don't, or they then uh, you know acquire debt. And that's a whole other part of this conversation, which is just what it means long term for people when they start going down that road. That's right. The no, I mean, we understand the number one reason for bankruptcy is medical debt. Yeah. Um, we have seen uh, some press coverage. Although the ACA has helped a good deal with that, actually. It the, the ACA has helped with that, obviously wanting to make sure that Americans have access to health care somewhere and that they have access to affordable care, right? Whether it's the subsidies, whether it's through expansion, right. whether it's through the cost-sharing premium subsidies, it's wanting to make sure that they have health care, but they have they have supplement or financial means to help pay for that. Who are the resistors to these policy developments? I mean, who, who is it that you're in conversation with that you're trying to persuade to come around? That's a great question. Really, the the opponents to the House version of the bill and then the supporters of the Senate version of the bill here in Ohio is really largely ancillary service providers that are going to be impacted by this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to that example of why does somebody get a surprise bill, you know, it is largely those service providers, so anesthesiologist, pathologist, radiologist, emergency room doctors, that have the benefit of if they have privileges at a hospital, they don't have to worry about volume of patients. Right. For you know, so if, if you're going to a hospital and you're going to have a surgery, that anesthesiologist knows I'm going to have a patient and I'm going to be able to provide my services whether or not I'm in an insurance network or not. And so it's largely those ancillary service providers uh, that have been opponents to the bill. Uh, the other opponent uh, to the bill, and it's it's really surfaced more in Congress at the federal level, has really been this um, revealing that private equity uh, investment firms have largely uh, been playing in this space. Yeah, tell us about that. I know it's pretty complicated, but what's the, the shorthand to understanding what role these private equity uh, companies are playing in all this? So as hospitals have been trying to trim t- costs, which is understandable in a, a, a expensive healthcare space, um, what has been happening is they have been outsourcing some of these ancillary service providers and ERs mm-hmm. uh, to management companies. These management companies have been uh, then managing these services. But as you can imagine, if you're looking at a whatever a provider wants to charge versus a market-tested rate, there's a lot of profit margin to make in between of that. Yeah. 
And what's happened is, is private equity has seen that as a huge private margin and have been starting to invest heavily in these management firms. Um, and so they they have a lot to lose, yeah. uh, particularly if the House bill passes and um, the standard or the payment for out-of-network care is going to be the in-network rate. Um, they have a lot to gain if, um, by contrast, the Ohio General Assembly passes a bill that says employers, patients, you have to pay whatever that provider wants to charge. Because as you can imagine, as soon as that's enshrined in statute, yeah. those prices are only going to go up. Yeah, They're yeah, not going to yeah. go down. L- looking at your materials, uh, you also have some advice for just patients until we're able to fix this on the legislative side. And one of your bits of advice is just to ask, 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 right? To ask questions about in-network, uh, out-of-network. Somebody was joking on Twitter that they, you know, if you ever go to the emergency room, you should just put a sign around you that says, if you're out of network, do not touch me. Right. You know, and that's a lot to ask patients, though. It's an it's a lot to ask patients. I would agree with that 100%. You know, the other thing that we've heard actually policymakers say is, shouldn't there be some obligation on that hospital or, you know, as, as somebody is scheduling a service, maybe not so much in the emergency space, but that the hospital says there may be physicians in this um, hospital that, have privileges but are not in your network we just want to tell you that and then it at least gives the patient the opportunity to say well let me understand that yeah if they want to make that decision that's one thing um but you're right i mean the the best thing you can do is ask 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 but at the end of the day if you are going for an emergency and you know you are are going to a a emergency room and you may have even no opportunity to choose that care at all you know, you risk um, getting a surprise bill later. I always want to know how many people are avoiding getting the care they do need just because they're afraid of surprise billing, which is a totally legitimate thing for people to worry about. It absolutely is a, a legitimate thing. And, you know, the unfortunate thing about that is obviously that patient then is delaying care that they may need. Yeah. And ultimately, when they actually do go get care, if they eventually need that care, it may likely cost even more, right? So it's this horrible predicament that we're putting Ohioans in. And again, it's this opportunity that we have. It's sitting in front of us. Uh, We have a great uh, policy solution in the House bill. And, you know, regardless of if the fact of Congress moves or not, you know, this is the thing that we could pass here today in the state of Ohio, and tomorrow Ohioans' lives could be different than they are yeah. today. Yeah. And in healthcare, I think there are a lot of issues that we deal with that we try to work through that don't have that type of an impact. Obviously, you are aware that there's a lot of talk about insurance companies in the Democratic debate, the, even within the Republican debates going back to the 2016 presidential election. There are questions about insurance companies. And now there's increasingly more conversation about hospitals and practices, which is a kind of interesting shift. But obviously, you know, the, the quickest way to get rid of surprise billing would be to get rid of billing. And you hear this conversation happening around there around, you know, national health insurance uh, plans and single payer I know it's totally unfair. You represent an organization of health insurance companies, and, and I'm fully aware of that. But how do we think about this moment with surprise billing? I mean, my suspicion is that lots of health insurance companies are looking at this problem and saying, we better solve this problem because our longevity is going to require that we deliver to patients sustainable health care, and it's not there right now. 
And if we don't do something about pricing, whether it's through the hospitals or through physicians or through insurance companies, they're going to start going a different direction in, a po in policy terms. So I mean, how do you align yourself with the kind of the conversations that are taking place in the, the federal level, especially around things like single payer, which would knock out the whole idea of building all together, which is the promise of that. Mm -hmm. that. So I think the conversation that is happening at the federal level that will obviously be a large part of our conversation next year is incredibly important. And it really boils down to affordable health care, right? We are having this conversation because the sustainability of health care costs mm -hmm. is, you know, their health care costs are ever increasing. And a lot of people have a concern about that sustainability and not just about the sustainability, but it's impacting access to that care. Right. The thing I say all of the time, we're sitting here in Columbus, Ohio, and we have, or in Ohio, we have, we are sitting in a state that has an incredible amount of uh, hospital systems, research, um, an incredible amount of care, innovative care, right? Life-saving care. But if, if we're sitting in a place where that care is unaffordable, yeah. it really doesn't matter to you and I if I'm five minutes down the road from a hospital that can provide that care if right. I don't have any ability to pay for it. Yeah, if you if you live uh, within eyeshot of Cincinnati Children's, the number one children's hospital in the country, or the Cleveland Clinic in the north, but you can't access it, then it really just is not that impressive at I all. I might as well live in Dubai, right? right. I might yes. as well live in yes. another place because it doesn't matter to me that yeah. it is local. So to answer your question, there is a lot of conversation, a lot of needed conversation, quite frankly, that we believe has needed to happen for a long time. What do we do about costs? These are these are conversations and so, solutions, quite frankly, uh, that are not easy, that are challenging, yep. that are going to take strong political will yeah. to get done. And just to put a point on it, this issue of surprise billing, it seems to me, is one of these issues that if we don't solve it, then you know people are going to come knocking they're going to start um, asking harder questions and looking for more dramatic system transformation. So it makes a lot of sense that the Ohio Association of uh, Health Plans would really want to nip this one in the butt. You know? Yes. So. Yep. We absolutely want to protect the members that are part of our health plans. Um, this is something, again, that they didn't have the opportunity to choose. And it's a first step in the direction that we need to do to solve the uh, ever-increasing uh, health care costs. Great. Well, Miranda Motter, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And it shouldn't surprise you at all. Thanks to Miranda Motter of the Ohio Association of Health Plans for talking with me about this important and frustrating issue of surprise billing. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by me, Dan Skinner, and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Friend. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio through WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org, where you can also find the show notes for this episode. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and really wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you could leave a positive review so we can continue to grow the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @prognosisohio and email us your suggestions and feedback at prognosisohio at gmail.com. If you're interested in underwriting our podcast, bringing attention to your product, your event, your cause, please be in touch. I assure you we're worth it. Thanks again for listening to Prognosis Ohio. 